everyone. Thank you so much for listening to The Undercut with Jason, Martin, and Nick. We are pleased to bring you our first ever interview on the show, and we hope you enjoy it. Hey, everybody. We are very excited to bring you our first ever guest and interview to the show. He's a soccer and F1 betting analyst for Action Network. Everybody, this is Nick Hennian. Thank you so much for joining the show, Nick. Thank you for having me, guys. I am honored that I'm your first ever guest. How exciting is that? No, oh, it's good. Very happy to have you on the show. We're really, uh, you know, we're a few episodes in and particularly in the build up to races, especially when there's not been a race week, we're really keen to put out some content and just get to know people who are as nuts about Formula One, who are involved in Formula One and really just want to talk about it to our listener. Right. So, <laughs> of course. Well, I'm know. happy. I'm always too happy to chop it up about Formula One. I mean, it's been an exciting season so far, and you know, hopefully, Australia lives up to the hype. Yeah. So, how did you start covering F1? How did you get into it? Did you start with other sports, and then someone like had you write about F1, or or how did your fandom for F1 start? Like a lot of Americans, it started through Drive to Survive. I, I I have to be totally honest. If you had asked me probably two years ago if I had heard about F1, I probably the answer would have been no. But I really have this passion, this really odd passion for European sports and handicapping them. In addition to doing soccer and F1, I do golf handicapping too. So I'm like the most European handicapper on the you know, the, the continental United States. But, you know, once I started getting into F1, um, and, and it honestly started with my sister trying to tell me that I needed to get her tickets somehow to all the races. And so I just, she was like, just find your way in, find something <laughs> so that can get me tickets to all the races. And then I was like, you know what? I've been doing soccer handicapping for three years now, golf handicapping for two. Why not try, try my hand at F1? And, you know, I pitched my editors on it. They had no one doing it and they were kind of in tune with the rise of popularity in the united states they're like yeah sure go for it whatever we could take some f1 content so yeah and it's interesting because it, it, there's the it's not just if you play like golf you're liking it to golf and it's very much about the guy and the form that he's on you know you look at scotty scheffler in the masters he people say oh he's an outsider for the masters he's number one in the world it doesn't make any sense that he wouldn't be at the top of the leaderboard right now but you know how it goes with formula one there is there's the constructor there's the team aspect to this all and it's like it's like someone playing golf with their fitted clubs versus their wife's clubs sometimes right it's you know it's not it, there's a whole aspect to it that you don't get in many other sports right how how do you factor that into to uh, your forecasting you know, it's really tough. I'll be honest with you. It, it, it's unique from other handicapping efforts because, I mean, you kind of have to week to week, you kind of have to find value in things that didn't happen the week before and then kind of assume they're going to happen the next week. Because basically, when when I'm looking at the odds board for, say, Australia, basically the odds are reflected based on the finishing positions in the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And there's not really, it doesn't really take into account, you know, track history or like practices or qualifying or anything. You will see the odds shift once, you know, drivers qualify in certain spots. They'll either go up or down. Um, but, you know, it's it's very interesting and, you know, there's a lot of different angles to it. So it's a unique sport to handicap, but I absolutely love it. 
Do you have any sort of like favorite team or favorite driver or do you just kind of like stick to a neutral neutral footing? You know, my favorite team or favorite driver is whoever I have money on in any given week. <laughs> I, I think you'll hear that from a lot of handicappers is that they who it, it changes week to week, right? I mean, I was week one, I was a Lando Norris fan and I was a Charles Leclerc fan. Yeah. Like week two last week, I was a Verstappen fan and I was an Esteban Ocon fan. So like Ooh. it changes week to, <laughs> it changes week <laughs> to week. Um, outside of that, my favorite team is Ferrari. I know that's super like lame and everything, but I, you know, I have to support the Scuderia. But, but they, they represent all the glamour of Formula One, mm-hmm. the thing that is uniquely Formula One. Right, because it is they have such a storied history. I don't want to disrespect some of the newer teams, but it could be Penske, right? Yeah. It could be you know, it, it could be whomever. Like Haas, obviously, Gene Haas has done a great job in across mm. motorsports, and it's good to have them. But Ferrari carries something else. So, partic- I, I totally understand where you're coming from in terms of w- one of the things that allures you in, right? But trust me, the thing you have to know about me is too is there's a bias, an inherent bias that I bring with me because I wish I could tell you I, I'm a McLaren supporter because of the American connection with Zach Brown, but I've lost too much money on McLaren to be able to support <laughs> them. So I, I have to, there is a little bias in the sense that like, you know, Ferrari has won me money this year. I do have a Ferrari to win the constructor's future. So I, I, I am, it does change week to week. I'll put it that way. Continue the conversation on pine-sports.com. That's P-I-N-E-sports.com and the Pine Sports Discord, which you can find linked on the website. And join us in a one-of-a-kind fantasy Formula One contest at coopsf1.com. That's C-O-O-P-S-F-number-one.com, where you can put your theories to the test. All right, so let's get into the racing. Is there anything that's really surprised you this year? Any teams that are really shocked you that you did not expect them to do as well or as bad as they are doing right now? I was really high on McLaren coming into the season, and I've been very surprised at how poor they've been for the opening two races. It looks like maybe they're turning a corner. I mean, I watched free practice one, free practice two today. Lando had a, Lando's top session was a P5. Ricardo P10 was his top session. So maybe they're turning a corner. I'd say I describe that as cautious optimism there because I'm not about to bet on them given, you know, the recent results, of course. And they had really good preseason testing. So I've been really surprised by how terribly they've done on the flip side. I've kind of been positively surprised by Alpine a little bit. And maybe maybe they've benefited from the race calendar a little bit because Ocon's really good on street circuits. And, you know, Fernando Alonso, I, I don't need to get into him. He's a former world champion. So we, we know his pedigree. Um, but I think that they could maybe be that fourth like fourth in the constructors this year. I don't think that's outside the question. And maybe it's an overreaction based on the first two races, but... It's a possibility in my mind. Yeah, but I, I, I agree with you in, in a number of different ways. I had McLaren much further up my list and I had Alpine much further down my list. And if I was to say the two that switched on my list, it would very much be those two. You know, McLaren showed up in Spain and they looked great. And then they showed up in Bahrain and they just did not. They brake cooling issues, all sorts of things. But there's one thing to say the brakes aren't cooling very well and 
not be able to go around the track as quickly as they should. Well, and hopefully they fixed it because brake cooling is going to be very important this week. I mean, when you're racing in a hot, hot Australia, it's going to be super important. So hopefully they've solved that issue. Yeah, they've taken a, a couple of the track changes. They've removed some of the heavier, the braking. Obviously, there's the, the chicane, middle of the circuit, just as you're coming around the backside. They've kind of really straightened that out. So it's not as heavy as a braking point. And then I think maybe the second to last corner, they've straightened out and made that a little faster so maybe that's going to play to their hands a little bit i don't know but i'm being hopeful i think so i mean at this point it's pretty much just red bull and ferrari at the top i mean do you see any other team really really challenging for for the championship not really i mean i i think at some point you're gonna it's it's weird like you're gonna there's gonna be a betting point where i think you can take a no price on both teams to win the constructors and maybe build out a profit for yourself but I mean, the only team, like the only other team that can remotely challenge is Mercedes, and I've been utterly unimpressed with George Russell through two races. Like again, like I was saying off air, you can't really bet on no things happening in uh, in F one. But if you could, I'd be taking the no on George Russell points every single week because he's he done- qualifies so well, but yeah. in the race, he doesn't really he doesn't move up. I mean, Lewis Hamilton is Lewis Hamilton. He's gonna get it together eventually, but. George ha- George Russell, excuse me, George Hamilton, um, has really not <laughs> done anything <laughs> to to warrant that second that second Mercedes seat. Yeah, I mean, he, with anyone coming into a new team, you got to give him a couple of races. You look at Daniel Ricciardo last year. We, I think, we talked last last episode or maybe the episode before about how the McLaren apparently. I, I have no like first-hand evidence of this, but McLaren drives very differently from a number of different cars. And I listen to a number of podcasts, whether it be um, Beyond the Grid and F1 Nation. They're my, probably my two favorite at the moment. But I think in uh, Beyond the Grid a couple of weeks ago, um, they had Carlos Sainz, and he was saying how because he went, he did the same thing as as Danny Rick. He went from Renault to McLaren. And then obviously he's 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 moved up to Ferrari, but how differently the McLaren drives from any other car that he's driven. And it might it, you know it's the same when whenever anyone moves to any other team, the, the characteristics of the car are going to be different from what you were on before. You'd have hoped that the Mercedes would, given their history, be the easiest to drive fast for anyone. But it doesn't seem to be that's the car that they've got this year. And understandably, I think George Russell's you know not performing to the level that we'd want to see him, but he's struggling. But I I do rate him as a driver. I think he will come good. Uh, it's just it's going to take a little while longer within the car, given the car that they have. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm trying to like, pardon the pun. I'm I, I'm kind of pumping the brakes on Lando and Russell a little bit. <laughs> oh, this I is this is a pun centric podcast. We we like our puns. <laughs> pro pro okay, pun. Good. Pro pun. Um, yeah, very pro pun. I, I do think Lando and George Russell get it together. Danny Rick, I'm not sure. Um, he's kind of that the question mark on the grid right now, in my opinion. Everyone else is kind of a known quantity. He is a lot more, I don't know, he's he's a lot more random in his finishing positions, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I, I do think Russell will at some point, you know, prove that he's worthy of that second seat. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Ricciardo last year was nowhere and then suddenly won at Monza. It's like, how did that happen? I think with it being in Australia, hopefully he... He has that home field advantage that boosts him a little bit, but I still don't see them getting, certainly not on the podium. They'll be struggling. They'll maybe pick up some points, loose change. But um, And he's struggled at any. home. He's he's really struggled at home. I mean, I know the last time out, it was like 
very unlucky with breaking his wing and then retiring from from the race, but he has not done well in Australia, if my memory serves me correctly. It's been a while. There are some good finishing positions in there. The one, th- the one consistent thing is he's qualified very well in Australia, and I actually took him in a matchup this week, which it's easily going to be my stupidest thought of the entire weekend. But he was matched up against uh, Ganyu Zhu of Alfa uh, of Alfa Romeo. And I was like, and Daniel Ricciardo was plus 140. I'm like, this makes no sense whatsoever. How is a rookie favored in Daniel Ricciardo's home race? Like, hmm. I do think he does, you know, get it together at some point. And I mean, I'm encouraged by practice today, but like it's practice. So, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, as as we've come to see, practice and testing doesn't really doesn't really show what what these teams no, are going to do in the race. Not. So Checo, he had one. Of, I mean, obviously his best qualifying of his career at the last race, and looked really good in the race up until the blunder with Latifi that caused his early his early pit to pretty much be meaningless. Yeah. Um, do you think that he's a contender for the title? With with Charles and and Max for the title, no. Do I do I think he can win a few races? Yes. That's a long. I mean, that's a long shot. Winning the drivers' championship. I mean, the problem is Horner's going to put all their resources into Verstappen. Like they want they want to build him up to be on the level of Lewis Hamilton and have him win six world champions in a row. If Checo were say on like. I don't know, McLaren, maybe like, or if he was, if Checo was the second Mercedes driver, maybe, but I just not to win the title. I think this is not going out on a limb by any means, but I do think he wins a race this year. I I think that's a, that's a legitimate expectation of him. Yeah, I I agree. I think depending on how things go, once we get to Europe and who brings parts to cars that get maybe different cars up the grid, if it's, if it stays a Red Bull and Ferrari, show through Europe, then I definitely think he's got at least a couple of race wins in him. Well, and the other thing we know is that Max is going to make some blunder at some point and wreck 10 laps into a race. And then Christian Horner is going to be like, all right, well, let's let's give it a go, Checo. Let's see if we can have you win this race. So, I mean, I do think that, yeah, I mean, the it's a contract year for him. So it's super important that he do, that he do well, especially if he wants to command a really big, you know, pay bump um i don't know how certain we can be that he's staying with red bull but you know i think it look i mean there are what 23 races this year i th- i think he's on the podium in maybe 30 percent of them who knows mm. like i i think it's i think this is the this is the year f1 has been the most you know it's not super top heavy like i do think you're not going to see the same top three every single week yeah and that's that's for the good right now it's looking like it's going to be one of it's going to be three of four drivers primarily in the Red Bulls and the Ferraris. The interesting thing here is, and like you said, it's a contract years for him, Pierre Gasly and what mm-hmm. Red Bull are going to do with him and what he wants to do, right? Mm-hmm. In There's a number of articles over the course of the past week and a half or whatever saying we want to get him in back up into the senior team because they don't want to lose him. But how much does he really want to be Max's teammate? Not much. You know, he's the he's the guy at Alphatari that everyone has to beat. And the Alphatari is a decent car. Yeah. He was me thinking, is it still called Alphatari? Poro Rosso was a way better name. It was. <laughs> much it really, more memorable. Really was. Yeah. And it, it's a good car. And they always they've consistently punched above their weight. But 
it's good. It's, you know, you look at Force India, which became Racing Point and Aston Martin. Teams only punch above their weight if they get it right. And then they don't get it right. And they don't have the resource to come back during the course of a season that, that maybe like Mercedes do now where they're not where they need to be, but they've got a large budget that they can use to try and get back to the front. So it's, it, for, for Gasly, it's a real trade-off of what he actually wants and if he wants to even stay at Red Bull. And interestingly, what opportunities are available to him if he decides that he wants to fly the coupe? Yeah, I mean, you would you would think that some of these teams are going to be going after a guy like Gasly if, if Red Bull can't keep on to him because he's a proven driver. I mean, he he's definitely fast and he's won a race at, at out. Well, I guess it was at Toro Rosso at the time, um, and he he looked fantastic. And that was very soon after he was kicked out of kicked out of the main Red Bull team. Um, it should it should definitely be interesting. Yeah, I mean, what what do the uh, what do the odds say about Gasly and uh, his performance for the now, year? Oh man, I mean, and the only really thing you can bet on for him is drivers' championship. I think preseason he was probably 200, 300 to one to win the drivers' championship. So. Not not much. The odds don't have faith in anyone outside of, you know, the outside of Ferrari, Mercedes, McLaren and Red Bull. It, everyone else is 100 to one to win the uh, or greater to win the drivers. So you think Lewis is, is pretty much done for any shot at any championship? Because it, it seems crazy to me to say that after two races with 21 races left, that Lewis Hamilton's chances at a championship are already over. I don't think they're over. I think it would have been a lot more difficult if he hadn't gotten points at Saudi Arabia. I mean, Leclerc looks so good right now. That's that's the thing. Like, I don't know. I, I the answer is I don't know. I think sometimes the hardest thing is to just say I don't know. I am sort of waiting to see. Like, I'm not going to involve myself much with Lando and Lewis until I get a better sense of if this is a meaningful trend or if those two races were sort of anomalies. I don't want to count them out just yet. I mean, I told my I, I told a buddy of mine like. He was 10 to one to win last week, pre-qualifying, obviously. So we didn't have that information in front of us. 10 to one. I mean, just from the implied odds standpoint, that's awful. Like that's, he should never be higher than five to one to win a race. So I don't know. I don't want to count him out. He's still one of the, if not the greatest Formula One driver of all time. So I don't know. Don't, don't count him out just yet. He could easily come out and win this week. I don't know. We saw some crazy racing with the Alpine team with the race that that just happened, and it was a little bit in the in the first race at Bahrain as well. But in the end, it looks like Ocon is outperforming Alonso. I mean, it's of course a little bit of reliability. Um, Alonso's had some bad luck with his his car making the end of the race, but do you think Ocon is the number one driver at this point and at Alpine? And what do you think? you know, they look like, uh, going forward, are they the top 10 team? I like Alpine a lot, honestly. And you don't need to remind me about their testy driving because I was sweating an Esteban Ocon top 10 ticket that Mm. I, that I had insane closing line value on. I mean, I bet it at minus minus one thirty after he qualified, it was like minus minus one ninety, And I was literally on my feet screaming at my television. Do not wreck. Like, do not get wrecked by your teammate. I will literally fly there and like hunt you down for, for causing me to lose. But is Ocon the number one driver? I don't know. Like it's, it's tough to say because I think they, 
Alpine has kind of recognized, like, look, we're not going to contend for a driver's championship. Like, Alonso's past his prime. He's still a good driver. And, like, we're trying to get Ocon to the point of being our number one driver. I mean, if you were to tell me, like, look, let's, uh, I'll just throw out a hypothetical. Let's say Alonso retires after this season and they bring in someone like Pierre Gasly, who we were just talking about. Like, then, yeah, Ocon's number one driver there. But, like, I don't know. So it, I think their goal is just like, let's just try to have as many double points finishes as possible because we want to try to be as high as possible in the constructors so we can afford to pay maybe a bigger guy to come in once Alonso eventually does decide to, you know, like say I'm done. Yeah, I mean, Ocon's always been a good driver. He was unfortunately, he kind of got bumped out of Formula One for a year. You know, you see that occasionally as well. Right. Same with Albon this year. He's had a year out and he's matured a little bit. And we saw that with with Ocon last year. I mean, he wouldn't arguably probably wouldn't have won the race in Hungary if he'd been that same mindset as he had before he had to sit out. He's a good driver. You know, you look at when he and Max Verstappen were in Renault 3.5 and Ocon won the championship. Granted, Verstappen didn't race every single race that year, but the champion of that year was Esteban Ocon. Right. Yeah. So he clearly he in a car in an equal car which you know in in that formula the formula cars are all you know pretty stock he you know he had the the talent to compete strongly with with Max Verstappen now obviously drivers develop as drivers and get better and better and Max has clearly done a very good job of getting even better in the car i'm hopeful that if alpine can give give him a car that can get close to the red bulls and closer to the front that yeah, maybe not another win, but certainly I think podiums are there for the offering for both Ocon and for Alonso. Yeah, wholly agreed. So there aren't a lot of a lot of teams that all three of us on our show all support, but we are all Gunter Steiner fans. Yes. We all love Gunter. And Haas has been on a tear so far this year. Um, Kevin Magnuson looks like he hasn't even left the car except for his neck muscles. Um, and Mick is really starting to pick it up. Um, do you think they're less solid top 10 picks going forward? Maybe. I mean, I'm not sure the, the, the value is all gone on Magnuson. Um, cause you know, every, no one expected him to come out at Bahrain and put a top 10 finish on the board, much less a top six. So Everyone, after that happened, the pricing went just ballistic. So he's not worth a bet anymore. Um, but first of all, random aside, I found out yesterday that Gunther Steiner shares a birthday with my sister. So that makes him that makes me love him even more. Oh, happy birthday to your sister. Yeah, thank you. And happy birthday to Gunther Steiner, too. Like she, he, Even she admitted, she's like, wait, she's like, I share a birthday with Gunther. This is amazing. So yeah, happy birthday, Gunther Steiner. Um I don't know. I don't know what to make of Mick Schumacher just yet because it's clear the car is better than it was last year. And I think they took the Ferrari strategy, not on the same level, obviously, but they took the Ferrari strategy as like, look, we're just going to make it through this season. We're going to put all our money into next season. It looks like the car is better. And, you know, Magnuson's a really good driver and has shown that. So I don't know. I, th- I do think. I mean, they've already gotten more points this year than they have last season. So I, I guess that's an improvement. I think the goal for them is I think the goal for them is seventh in the uh in the constructors. I think I think they're better than Williams. 
I think they're narrowly better than Alfa Romeo. I think Botas's form is eventually going to dip because I think he's driving angry right now. And once George Russell gets his you know what together, he's going to like he's going to that's going to leave one less place for him in the uh, in the points. So I think if Haas can finish seventh, it's a successful season. Yeah, and if, it looks like they struggled in practice today as well. Yeah. down towards the bottom end i don't know whether that's circuit characteristics or setup issues or whatever but again you, you know you constantly see magnuson a couple of couple of spots ahead of schumacher and we talked we've talked on the show about this being a, a critical year for mick to prove against a real driver what he can really do we've, we've talked about mazepin and that not really being a true test for a for a driver in equal equipment um, but this is really going to be a make or break because, you know, he's on the Ferrari train. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was just about to say, like, science's contract is up this year. I don't expect them to get rid of him this year, but maybe they just do like, hey, let's do two more years and then Schumacher will be ready. He's going to Ferrari at some point. Bank on yeah, it. Yeah, he's just, he's just got to prove against a proper driver that he can hold it and, be, and perform. If he doesn't hold it against Magnussen, that Ferrari door may slam pretty shut. Mm-hmm. It's really important year for Mick. Mm-hmm. Do you think he would get another contract? Even let's just say he doesn't perform well enough to get into fer- Ferrari. Do you think that he would still get another drive somewhere else after yes. after Haas? Yes, definitely. just on his name alone, definitely. I guess. Yes, I mean, I mean, even if you set that aside, there are number two drivers on other teams. I rate him ahead of in the same car. Yugi Sonoda comes to mind. Gone Yuju and Alfa Romeo. I know I just said there, but I think they finished below. But that's a real year. logical landing spot but for like, him if he doesn't end up a Ferrari, right? Yeah, Alpha. even like, I mean, I probably, this might be a little controversial, but I probably rate him ahead of Gasly too in uh, in AlphaTauri. Like, I don't know. Like, I've been, Gasly's been a little unpredictable this year. So I need more information to make a more informed judgment on that. But there are signs he's a better driver than Gasly maybe is the way I should put it. Um, so I don't know. Like I do think it's a really important year for him, but I do think, I mean, if he doesn't go to Ferrari, worst case Haas will be happy to keep him. So I, I know he's making nothing over there. So it's not like they're paying him a ton, but I think even if he doesn't, Haas will be like, all right, fine. You can stay with us for sure. And then, and the name alone will attract sponsorship and exactly. um, uh, the things that, that you need to survive as a team in the sport. Right? So do you have anything crazy that's going to happen at the, uh, at the race this, this weekend in Melbourne? Anything that we're not expecting that's going to happen? You know, I, I, need, I need to take my betting analyst hat off for a second because the value is all gone on this in terms of, you know, odds markets, but Checo Perez to win the race. I mean, he got so unlucky last week. He looked really good in practice today. I know I said earlier it's only practice, but you don't you don't get lucky qualifying on pole. That's not a, that's never an accident in F1. So if he can go out and qualify P2, P3 again maybe. Again, I think he wins the race. As I referenced last week, he's really good on street circuits. He and Ocon are sneaky good on the street circuits and they never get the respect they deserve. So crazy prediction, Checo Perez wins the race. I don't know, but it, it's a long shot for sure. Who do you think is going to underperform? Man, that's a tough call. I say Magnuson because I think they're in a weird situation 
where, I mean, Gunther Steiner came out and said, don't crash. We don't have any spare parts. They're not going to be risk-taking this week. I think the Magnuson fairy tale run has to come to an end at some point. And I mean, last week he finished in the points, I think as a result of the fact that a ton of people crashed. Like it wasn't like he was in there on his own merit. I mean, same goes for Lando too. Like he was in the points because of the crashes. He was not there on merit. I don't know. I think, I think Magnuson could be in for a rough weekend. As you mentioned, they didn't look great in practice this week. So I think the week off kind of kills that momentum a little bit. And then, you know, I, I, they could struggle, I think. So Vettel, first race back. So he's not driven this car yet. Um, it didn't turn out too well today as he had to jump on a, on a moped and, and get a 50 grand fine or whatever it was for, for riding back to the pits by himself. Worth it. <laughs> worth it. Totally worth it. Absolutely. Um what what's your view? What's uh what are the what are the markets saying? P fourteen, I'll say. I, I you know I was high on him coming into the season, and I think it's an important year for him too because you know he's kind of he and Alonso are in that same category of like look we've won a world championship before we have the, everyone knows we have this pedigree. I could be wrong, but I believe it's a contract year for Vettel too. My theory is that he might go back to Red Bull if they can't hang on to Checo, which hmm. like would be a really good pairing. And I think they'd welcome that. But I don't know. It's always tough. Like it, there's there's one of the spectrum where you Magnuson was gone for what a few years and he comes back in a first race and like that is in the points. Um Fennel, I don't know. It's like I I I don't really have much on him just because like when I was looking at the odds, there was nothing that stood out to me. It was like, whoa, that looks off. Or like, like I mean, I think the best case scenario is a points finish for him. But I, th- I think the goal for him is finish the race. So I'll say like, I don't think he's last, but I think like P13, 14 is a realistic expectation. And relative to Stroll? Better than Stroll. I, I, I do not rate Lance Stroll very highly. That's another guy. I rate Mick Schumacher ahead of Lance Stroll for sure. Yeah, so is there anybody that, you know, we're not saying that they're going to contend for the very top, obviously. It looks like that's going to be Red Bull, Ferrari, and, like, if craziness happens, maybe Mercedes. But is there anybody going forward through the season that you think will will surprise you and, and do a little bit better and maybe just get higher in the points? I don't know. It's going to be pretty interesting. I mean, I think we have a clear-cut view of who the top 10 are right now. And I mean, based on the first two races, I mean, it it goes contrary to preseason expectations, but Lando is the only person I can think of who fits that bill. But I mean, preseason, everyone was saying Lando's going to be like third in driver's championship, third or fourth. And like McLaren's going to be amazing. They're, they're, no one can challenge McLaren for fourth in the constructor. So I guess... If we're going off the first two races, I think Lando eventually comes around and, you know, because he wants to be on a top team too. Like he eventually wants to be a top driver on Mercedes or Red Bull. Um, so I don't know, but I, I, I'm struggling to think of anyone else. I think it's, I'll be interested to see what, see what if Botas can sustain this form, but I don't know. Lando is the answer. I like it, Lando all the way. Yeah, we do. We like Lando on this show. He's a, he's a, a Brit. 
he's young. He's, a, you know, he's one of those, you know, you look at five, six years from now and who who's going to still be here. Obviously, there's, you're going to have the retirements of Alonso and um, probably Vettel maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Lewis isn't going to be around for much longer. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, who are the next round of guys? The Leclerc's, the Verstappen's obviously, the Lando's. The Carlos, yeah, you know, it's it's. Um, I mean, Sainz is what twenty seven, twenty eight, probably. So he'll he's not. He's, I he's mean, probably maybe six or seven more years for him. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's going to worry about losing a seat anytime soon. He'll be around mm-hmm. for a while. He's just. It's just how much better is Leclerc than he is. Um, the answer is a lot. Obviously, <laughs> you know, you look at last year, and maybe that was the car that that Leclerc couldn't get around, and Sainz could, mm-hmm. which was surprising given that he moved over from another team. But Leclerc's looking really good this year. So if we stick with with Charles Leclerc for a bit and then maybe kind of have a rundown of your view of of really how the pecking order is right now. Cars aside, who are the who are the top drivers in your mind? And then obviously in your position as a as a betting analyst, you have to factor in the car. So really, if you were to give the top five with 21 races to go, what do you think the one, two, three, four, five is gonna be by the Sans end? Sans car. Hamilton and Verstappen interchangeable at the top. I mean, everyone's going to have a different opinion on that. But just in terms of the driving, I rate Hamilton and Verstappen as the top two. Um, But factor in the car, Hamilton probably drops a little. Verstappen probably drops maybe a spot. Like if you have him first, maybe he's second. Going back to Sans car, I have Leclerc third overall in my driver power ratings. And then I have Sainz fourth. And I have Checo fifth. Like that's like I do think the best drivers are on the best teams right now. Um, and then the six sixth is a little difficult, a little more difficult. I think it's kind of between Lando and Botas for that. Um, just completely without the car. Top five with the car right now. Leclerc's first, obviously. Um, Verstappen, Leclerc, Verstappen. I think with the car. I mean, I really think this car suits Checo, and I actually have him power rated slightly ahead of Sainz. So Checo third, Sainz fourth, and then fifth in the car. I mean, based on two races, it's Botas. I mean, he's been solid, and I mean, that car, no one expected it to do well this year. So I think you have to kind of, that is a testament to how good he is. Yeah, it was it was good when the first race of the season in in the Mercedes and the Alpha, they were right next to each other on the grid looking across. It was, I don't think anyone really expected that, but that's what rule changes do for the sport. It's good and it's bad. When the rules stay stable, it means that people have the opportunity to develop their car and then you kind of mean revert a little bit as as the midfield pack kind of groups together. And so you get some really good tussles through like the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth place in the championship. It also means that you can have a brawn situation at the front, which is interesting, unexpected, but constantly changing the rules. I don't know. How did the rule changes impact your job <laughs> at the start of the season going in? Because that must have been really difficult to even be able to structure any any sort of odds, right? I mean, not much is the answer, but if anything, it just ha- added that extra thought of like, am I sure? Like it, it just forced you to be a little more sure of yourself. 
the rule changes, it's not going to make Red Bull a midfield team and the constructors. Like at the end of the day, those teams are still like top. But if anything, you're just like, okay, I've done the full handicap. I've done the race handicap. Here's what I'm thinking. And then you kind of just go back and say, okay, like, did I miss anything here with the rule changes that could maybe throw this like aloof? And then sometimes you say yes, sometimes you just say no and move on. So it's not much is the, is it didn't really change how I looked at things. Yeah. So did you watch all of season four of drive to survive? Yeah. In two days. Yeah. I I think that was me too. Did you like it? Yeah, it was, that was a thing. I was hoping (laughs) for more drama, but I think there was enough drama. Come on. They, it wasn't as dramatic as the other seasons. I'll put it that way. This was amazing. Thank you so much fun. for joining us. It's so much fun. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed it also. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I love any excuse to... I love when anyone is even remotely interested in the work I'm doing. No, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for being a friend to the show. Thanks for coming on and sharing your views. We will. We look forward to having you on again in the future, maybe midway through the season, get a pulse check, yeah. see how things are going. Sure. And then no, as we move into the shop end. Anytime. If one of you is sick and need a guest host, give me a call. Seriously. Awesome. We appreciate that. And why don't you give uh, our our few listeners your, your Twitter handle so that they can uh, check out your stuff. Okay. If you need to find my work, it is www.actionnetwork.com. That's where you can find my Formula One betting analysis. I am on Twitter. It's easy. It's at Nick Henyon. That is super easy. And that's where you can find me. I'll tweet out all my work too. Uh, send me a DM if you want to even. If you want to tell me I'm an idiot, if you want to tell me I'm smart, I'm, I'm available. Awesome. Thank you very much. And thanks everybody for listening. Have a great night and see y'all later. Enjoy the Australian Grand Prix.